Thanks for joining us for this Prima podcast. My name is Shonda Ragland. I am the Director of Education and Training at Prima. October is National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. National Cybersecurity Awareness Month was designed to increase awareness regarding the significance of cybersecurity, as well as provide the necessary resources to ensure people are safe and secure online. To commemorate the 15th anniversary of National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, Prima created a National Cybersecurity Awareness Month podcast series. Each week during the month of October, Prima will feature podcasts that share important information about cybersecurity. On this podcast, Mark Bristow, the director of the National Cybersecurity and Communications Integration Center at the United States Department of Homeland Security, will discuss lessons from DHS cyber incident response. We will also be joined by Taekwon Gilbert, a member of Prima's education and training team. Taekwon will moderate the discussion. Enjoy the podcast. Mark, thank you for joining us for the Cybersecurity Podcast Series. So, in layman's terms, what does the Hunt and Incident Response Team provide and who can obtain your services? Taekwon, and thank you very much for having me on your uh, podcast. So the Huntington's Response Team, or HERT, is an organization inside of the Department of Homeland Security's National Cybersecurity and Communications Integration Center, or the NCIC. And what we do is we provide Huntington's Response Services to state, local, tribal, territorial, and federal government entities, as well as critical infrastructure organizations and private sector. Basically, anyone other than the Department of Defense and the intelligence community, but we work with them as well as in a partnership model. So we have kind of a wide variety of stakeholders. What we do is we focus on some of the most critical cyber threats that face the nation. So we are focused on supporting and enabling incident response activities at all those different stakeholders. So we're trying to help people do incident response. We can provide capabilities to instrument an environment. We can do analysis. A lot of different things that we can, that we can do to support incident response and hunt, uh, hunt missions. We uh, work on a completely voluntary basis, so uh, everyone that works with us is a, is a partner and uh, comes to DHS because they're looking for additional assistance, and that's what we're here to provide. What is the goal of a hunt in an incident response? Are they the same? So, yeah, and in fact, they are the same, and the goal is really to find the bad guys. You know, you can think of us as um, the cyber firefighters. Uh, you know, our job is to get into, uh, into a place and help them identify where's all the fires and come up with a plan for how to put the fires out. So in both a hunt and incident response, we're doing that same activity. With an incident response, we have like an alarm has gone off and there's something that brings us to the actual event, whereas a hunt is a completely proactive activity, and it's just uh, when uh, organizations ask for our help to come in and see if there's already a bad guy kind of inside their environment. What does day-to-day work look like at the HURT? Uh, well, uh, when I have two days that are alike, I'll let you know. <laughs> um, yeah, mostly, mostly analysts are um, doing a lot of technical work, looking at network information, hard drives, artifacts provided by our various stakeholders, working with those stakeholders and our incident management group to talk to them about through the process of how this all works, how they can get our support, and the details of all of that. So there's a kind of a customer relationship element to it as well. Uh, By the end of the day, we have a highly skilled, very technical team that's doing a lot of deep technical cyber work on a day-to-day basis on the behalf of uh, supporting our national security. 
How many times have you been part of a cyber incident response team? So me personally, I've been, I, I don't think I'm, I'm not really keeping track, but I'd say I've probably been on 50, 40 or 50 incident responses personally. For a while there, when I was leading the ICS CERT, uh, I was personally involved in every incident response engagement ICS CERT had. But as we've grown and as the cyber threat has grown, we support way too many customers for one person to be involved with all of them. For example, we got uh, over 3,000 incident reports to us uh, so far this year. So there's a lot of people who are looking for our help. And uh, so we have a sizable team in order to support them. From your times on an incident response, what were the three most interesting adversarial tools and techniques that you saw used? That really depends on different environments. And it's kind of hard to pick just three. What's uh, kind of unique about what Hurt does and, and how we're positioned is, is that we support both incident response and both the industrial control systems or operational technology environments. So these are the computers that run water treatment plants, nuclear power plants, electric power, et cetera, as well as traditional IT systems that you might see that, you know, your computer on your desk. So we have some very specialized skills and some kind of more general IT incident response skills. And the, the differences uh, between the two, uh, the, the tactics used by the adversaries can really change. Some of the things that I've seen, though, that are, are common across the board are things like reusing credentials. So it used to be that a bad guy would send a thing called a spear phishing email, which would contain an attachment or a link to some malware. It would look like it came from your boss or a friend of yours or something like that, something to get you to open the attachment or click the link. And then ultimately that would deliver malware to your computer, and then that computer would now become kind of the, the beachhead into the rest of your environment. Nowadays what we're seeing, we're still seeing that phishing type of email, but what we're seeing is that they're harvesting credentials. So they're trying to steal your username and password, or if you have multi-factor authentication, your token, and use that to log into the environment through the VPN as a regular user. So what this means is, is that the adversary looks just like Bob the user in your environment, and it becomes very challenging to determine the difference between what Bob is legitimately doing in the environment and what the bad guy is you know, masquerading as Bob to do. So that masquerade is probably one of the most common and uh, hardest things, problems for us to solve. As far as the other techniques that we've seen, so we've seen some activity that really was going after industrial control systems environments. I was uh, part of the U.S. government delegation that went over to Ukraine at the request of the Ukrainian government to uh, investigate the 2015 Ukrainian cyber attack where actors turned off the power in Ukraine. And what was really interesting there is that they were basically able to use that credential theft I just talked about to log into computers and manually click around and actually turn off the power by just operating the computer like a regular user would. So it was really kind of interesting that even though it was the first cyber attack that we've had on civilian infrastructure, at the technical level, it wasn't all that technically astute from the control systems perspective, but it had the it had effect, right? And that just goes to show that, you know, it's really important that we are all kind of working together to implement some like best practices and things to shore up our environments because one week link in your overall cybersecurity posture could allow an adversary to get in and maybe have you know significant consequence in your organization. Discuss the latest cyber incidents and vulnerabilities that you, as in the Department of Homeland Security, have encountered. Yeah, so you know, we're constantly working different in- incidents and campaigns of incidents with different organizations. The unique thing that DHS brings to the table is we get to see a lot of different things. And so some of the most interesting ones that we've worked recently 
and we've been talking about publicly, was a uh, campaign by Russian uh, hackers to get into, attempt to get into and hold at risk um, our electric power infrastructure. Now, thankfully, they were not very successful in this, and DHS, along with the rest of the United States government interagency and private sector, responded very vigorously to this uh, attempted intrusion. But just kind of goes to show that, um, you know, our critical infrastructure is definitely something that's an interesting target to uh, foreign adversaries in other nation states like Russia. And that's kind of why we're here is to support, you know, the American way of life and support U.S. stakeholders in defending against that kind of stuff. We've also seen a lot of other kind of intrusions. You know, there's a lot of out there in the press about, for example, going after elections infrastructure, and that's a big priority for DHS. And we've been spending a lot of our time and effort helping our state and local government partners in ensuring that they are securing their elections infrastructure so that for the upcoming midterms and, and primary elections, that the American voter can, can know that they have a, a safe and reliable vote. We've also worked on a number of incidents related to what's called ransomware. And this has become a much bigger problem than it had been in the past. And what ransomware is, is it's uh, a piece of malware that gets on your computer and encrypts all your files. And then it basically shows a little screen on there that says, hey, pay me what they usually use uh, cryptocurrency like Bitcoin. Pay me 0.5 Bitcoin and I'll give you the decryption key to get your files back. So it's, uh, you know, uh, holding something at ransom as old as crime is, but it's just a new way of doing that that they can get into a lot of different environments. And there's been a number of stories in the news about, you know, kind of high-profile infections of ransomware into state environments as well as transportation systems. The National Health Service in the U.K. was impacted pretty, pretty substantially last year. So even though this is kind of miscreant uh, malware in most cases, that's financially driven, it can have some significant impact in critical infrastructure operations and something that we're constantly working with our partners to thwart. So what are the top five lessons from the DHS NKIC cyber incident response? What can our audience learn to improve their cybersecurity? Well, I think the most important lesson is that everyone looks at cybersecurity as a technology problem, and it's really a people problem. A lot of the, the issues in cybersecurity have technical solutions to them, The challenges are is working on the policy front and in the discipline with our our user base to actually implement those cybersecurity policies effectively and consistently. So a lot of times it's not knowing not what to do, it's knowing how to do it and make sure we actually get it done. Because at the end of the day, cybersecurity really, you can equate it to uh, brushing your teeth and eating your vegetables. It's not something that uh, is particularly sexy, but it's really important to do if you want to have a healthy life. And, you know, if you don't do it one day, you might be okay. But if you start making a habit about not brushing your teeth, you're going to start having some problems with your dentist. And so a lot of the things that we are working on is, is helping inform people on programs like yours about some of the risks that we see so that they can come up with those countermeasures and implement them. Because, again, it's, it's not necessarily that we have all the guidance out there on how to do the things that we talk about. It's just more about actually implementing them. And, that, and that's really a policy problem that I think risk management professionals really need to be aware of and are able to be implements of change in their organizations. So it's definitely powerful to have that understanding. On the technical, kind of the technical front, I think that we still see that phishing, spear phishing activity that I talked about. That has been a the primary tactic of intrusions for years. And I think we've spent a lot of time and effort into educating users to detect that activity. And I think that's really important. But now I think we need to start focusing on what do we do about it when we detect it? 
It's not enough to just say, hey, look, I, I saw that phishing email. It's making sure you actually have an incident response plan and policy in place and know what to do. And the best way to do that is when you're not having an incident, doing a, an exercise. Building up that plan is really important because when you're having a cybersecurity issue, like say you have a piece of ransomware get into your, into your network, now is not the time to build your plan. Having that plan ahead of time, making sure everyone understands what's in the plan, what their role in the plan is, making sure the executive team is briefed is really, really important because you don't want to be exchanging business cards at the scene of the incident. Uh, another thing I think is really important that I think goes uh, underrepresented uh, is communications plan as part of your incident response plan. A lot of organizations don't have a plan for how they're going to communicate cyber incidents to their stakeholder base, what they will say, who's authorized to say it, if they're going to talk to the media, et cetera. And so this causes a lot of churn in organizations when they're focused on technical incident response, trying to figure out how they're going to communicate with others about the issue. And it's really something that, again, with some planning ahead of time, you can really focus on and make sure that you get those types of plans in place so that you're not making it up as you go along and therefore are prone to mistakes. Back to the more to the technical side, I think the scourge that is ransomware uh, is something that we are going to see a lot more of, and I think it's something that is pretty pervasive. I think every industry and sector vertical out there has been touched by ransomware in some way, and it's going to be something that we're going to be fighting for a long time. Again, because most of the time, ransomware is not targeted at any one group. It's really just out there to get more money, so it's going after everyone from you know, your grandparents, your kids, your parents to multinational corporations, they're all being targeted by the same, the same ransomware. And because of that, it's something we're going to be along, around for a long time, and criminals are going to be financially motivated uh, to do that. And it's really going to be a problem that I don't think we've really come up with the right solution space for it yet, but it's a challenge that's going to be with us for a while, and we're going to have to work together to get it done. Thank you for tuning in to Prima's National Cybersecurity Awareness Month podcast series. Should you have any questions regarding this podcast or any podcast in the series, please email education at primacentral.org. To learn more about Prima's educational resources, please visit primacentral.org. Have a wonderful day.